0: Welcome to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am your host, Elizabeth Benton. If you wanna create change in any area of your life, you're in the right place. Together, we'll explore the strategies and tools I've used to lose over 100 pounds, pay off $130,000 in debt, and become a multiple seven-figure business owner. I've supported thousands of women to levels of execution and fulfillment they didn't know were possible. So if you're frustrated, If you're doubting yourself, if you're not enjoying the journey, there's a better way. Together, we'll break through your past patterns, we'll eliminate the appeal of your excuses so you can get consistent, stay consistent, create the results you want, and most importantly, enjoy the journey. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am Elizabeth Benton. Thank you so much for joining me today. I know a lot of you are going to be thrilled to hear That this is a what we call science y episode. I hear all the time, I love your science y episodes. That was really how this podcast was born. I am a lover of science, a lover of all things metabolism and hormones and endocrinology and everything in between. I just really love diving into how the body works. Of course, when it comes to creating change, how the mind works tends to be a much bigger factor. And so that's why we talk about that a lot more here. After years of focusing on the science, it was just super clear that while people love to learn, changing is really more about your mind. And that's why the, the podcast content reflects that breakdown. Today, we're going to be talking about C-reactive protein. We're going to be talking about inflammation, and we're going to be talking about my experience over the last several months with a functional medicine doctor. And to kind of bring everybody up to speed, I posted about this in the Primal Potential Facebook group, which is just a really great free community where I often share little tidbits of my life. I posted last week after I had a follow-up appointment with my functional medicine doctor, and I was basically saying, hey, I'm working with this specialist to... Reduce inflammation in my body, would you guys want to hear more about it? And overwhelmingly, the answer was yes. So, one of the questions that I got was, What exactly is a functional medicine doctor? And I'll first say I'm not an expert in functional medicine and practitioners and all of that sort of thing. But what I can tell you is that, at least in my case, a functional medicine doctor is a medical doctor, an MD that focuses on a systems approach to healing versus responding to symptoms. A lot of times if you go to a more traditional healthcare provider, and of course there are exceptions, they are going to respond to symptoms that you present. And a lot of that tends to stem from just their time limitations. Whereas a functional medicine doctor is really looking at you holistically versus responding to the thing you present with. They understand that most of the time there is whole body involvement. And while there might be inflammation, that's coming from something that could be seemingly unrelated to how you are presenting. So In my case, this is a medical doctor. We're just taking a whole body involvement approach, a systems approach versus responding to symptoms. We want to get to the root. We want to resolve it. We want to see where it takes us. And uh, yeah, the reason that I decided to do this because for me and everybody's situation is different. This is not something that's covered by my insurance. I do have health insurance and I do have a primary care doctor. This is outside of that. And so I pay for it out of pocket. But to me, it's worth it because if I'm not spending my money on my health, that just, it just makes it very clear to me that my most important investment of dollars is in making sure I'm healthy, right? Because uh, I can't really do much for anybody else in my life, professionally or personally, if I'm not healthy. I decided to do it because, after Dagny was born, and after Roman was born, I had these postpartum thyroid storms. After Dagny was born, they were calling it hypothyroid. They were calling it Hashimoto's, which you know I had had some experience with prior to. Getting pregnant with Dagny, but I had had it in remission. So I had a hypothyroid storm after Dagny, and then after Roman, I was told that it was hyperthyroid. In fact, they told me point blank that I had Graves' disease and that I shouldn't get pregnant again. I didn't believe them, and I did get pregnant, and I had twins. (laughs) But to me, what I was trying to say to my traditional healthcare provider at the time is. I don't have Graves' disease. This is my immune system reacting to the trauma of a C-section. And I don't mean emotional trauma. I mean like physical trauma to the body. And so after the twins were born, I wanted to make sure we were getting to the root of it. Because when I was working with traditional healthcare providers, they wanted to put me on thyroid meds. In fact, after... Dagny was born, they wanted to put me on Synthroid. And then after Roman was born, they were talking about removing my thyroid. And I'm like, yo, guys, pump the brakes. Let's get to the root of this. Why is my body having this immune response? Because in the majority of cases, thyroid issues are immune issues. And a lot of the time, immune issues are inflammation issues, so I wanted to get ahead of the curve after the twins were born, in large part because I understood that there was this cumulative effect of a number of pregnancies in a short amount of time. I had C-sections, back to back to back. I know I was not fully healed hormonally or physically before subsequent pregnancies. And I just wanted to do better, but also if I were to ever consider another pregnancy, I want to be as healthy as possible. I knew when I got pregnant with Roman six months after Dagny was born, then I got pregnant with the twins when Roman was around like eight or nine months old. So I knew I needed a longer break. If I am to even consider that again, I knew I needed to give my body a break and not be trying to get pregnant inside of a year after having the twins. It's a surgical thing. It's a hormonal thing. And and all of those things lead to inflammation. So because I had had these previous thyroid storms, which are related to inflammation, because I had not lost the baby weight before getting pregnant again each time and I know that carrying extra weight is inflammatory and the more inflammation you have in your body, the harder it is to lose weight plus the stress, physical stress of surgery, the physical stress of lack of sleep just from having young children, not to mention the grief and all of that emotional stress and trauma on my body after Dagny died and just what we went through with the twins. I mean, when the twins were born, we didn't know if they were gonna survive. And we had a 93-day NICU stay, and I was getting up at 4 o'clock every morning and spending hours in the car. I mean, my body's been through it. The final factor is my age. I'm, what, a couple weeks away from turning 40, and I know that you just have to do more for your health as you get older, especially if I were to consider expanding my family anymore. So I knew going into this that a big focus was going to be on inflammation because of all of those factors that I just outlined. And while there are lots of different markers of inflammation in the body, the one that I'm going to talk about today is C-reactive protein. That's one of the ones we're primarily focusing on, me and my functional medicine doctor. And this episode would be all over the freaking place if we didn't focus. So let's first get on the same page about C-reactive protein inflammation, the most important thing that I want to make sure everybody understands is that inflammation is not inherently bad. In fact, inherently, inflammation is good. It is your body's first line of defense. If you get stung by a bee and you observe swelling in that area, that is blood and fluid and lymphatic drainage all all of that is going on to protect you. You know, if you if you get something in your eye and your eye starts to swell, that is your body's defense system. That is protective. That is important. We need that. It is part of healing. The problem arises when inflammation is out of control, because there's all these inflammatory things in our lives that many of us are just triggering constantly, whether that is overeating, being overweight, consuming gluten, toxins in the food or the water or the air or our personal care products or our home care products. I mean, all of these things, stress, illness, injury, lack of sleep, and we're just ringing that bell over and over again, right? You have that muffin for breakfast, ring inflammation, and then you put sugar in your coffee, and then you get stressed out about an argument with your spouse, and you didn't sleep well last night, and you have gluten in your sandwich. We're just triggering inflammation, so most of us are chronically inflamed. Then if you add to that illness or injury, your body is really impaired, It breaks down your gut, which impacts everything from the obvious, digestion and metabolism, but that impacts depression and anxiety. It impacts your immune system overall because you now are using your inflammatory response system for things like lack of sleep. You are not as equipped to protect yourself from the flu. Plus, the more inflammation that we have in our body, the more we break down the blood brain barrier. And when we do that, we see things from mild symptoms like brain fog or irritability to anxiety and depression to neurodegeneration. So Being proactive, and I've done a lot of episodes on inflammation, but being proactive about inflammation is not about eliminating eliminating inflammation. We don't want to do that, but making sure that we are working with our body and not just chronically inflamed. Every time I talk about inflammation, I want to remind people that it's not just that swollen knee because you might be thinking, my joints feel great, so I must not be inflamed, there is some inflammation that you can see or feel. Absolutely. But a lot of what is most concerning with regards to inflammation are things that you don't see or maybe you feel and you don't realize that they're related to inflammation, like brain fog, like anxiety and depression, like neurodegeneration. All of these things are related to inflammation. So inflammation is not bad, but because of the average lifestyle, it is on overdrive. The system is taxed and that's a big problem. C-reactive protein is of course a protein and it has a functional role. If you have surgery or you get really sick C-reactive protein is going to spike, and that is not bad. That is reflective of it doing its job. So the way that C-reactive protein works in the health promotion kind of way is that it binds to phosphocholine on cells that are unhealthy or cells that are dead or cells that are in some way damaged and helps clear them from the body. It's always present. But when things go wrong, it spikes reflective of doing its job. When it's chronically elevated, you are at increased risk for all sorts of things from heart disease to obesity to depression, you name it. If you have an an acute infection, C-reactive protein can spike by like 50,000 times. But that is meant to be a really short window of time, like 48 hours, and then declines very quickly. But it doesn't necessarily return to baseline. So let's say that um, I have my C-section. If I measured my C-reactive protein levels two days later, they might be crazy high, but they're not going to stay crazy high. They kind of return to what we'll call elevated baseline. So not an optimal level, but not that super crazy whoa level. If you have a, an infected cut on your hand, you might find that for the first day or two of the infection, C-reactive protein levels are insane. They're going to come right back down but that doesn't mean that they're at an optimal level, especially if you're overweight, especially if you eat a lot of sugar, especially if you eat gluten, if you experience sleep deprivation, any of those aggravating factors. So I had no interest in checking my C-reactive protein levels, you know, a week, two weeks, even a month after a C-section. But I first checked it around six months after my C-section, after the twins were born, and then again a week and a half ago, so around 10 months, four months between the first check and the second. But before we get into that, I wanna talk a little bit more about C-reactive protein. So it elevates in response to anything that causes inflammation. When you measure something like C-reactive protein, you can see whether or not inflammation is in check or elevated, But you don't necessarily know why there's inflammation. C-reactive protein doesn't tell you what's going on. But it can serve as confirmation that you have chronic inflammation, that you uh, have work to do. Here's one of the big things, and anytime we talk about values, I always want to make this point. You cannot overlook this. There is a huge difference between normal and healthy. A lot of healthcare practitioners operate based on normal ranges, normal lab values, but normal is not the same thing as optimal. Normal is not the same thing as healthy. In a lot of traditional Healthcare settings, normal just reflects the absence of disease. You know, if they're talking about normal blood sugar, it just, they're just telling you you're not diabetic. They're not telling you you're healthy. They're not telling you you're optimal. They're not telling you you're at the lowest risk of disease. So when I'm working with a functional medicine doctor, and I do my own homework on this too, I don't just rely on like what their framework is. I want to understand. So normal C reactive protein levels around 10 milligrams per liter, normal. But that is not the same thing as healthy or ideal. Ideal that I'm operating with, that I'm looking to get to, that's the agreed upon threshold for myself and and my uh, healthcare provider are less than one, less than one. So again, if you have a severe infection, you might be at 30,000, 40,000, but you're not staying there for a week. You're not probably even staying there for 3 or 4 days. The levels come down, but then they're, you know, you might have somewhere between 10 and 40 uh milligrams per liter indicating systemic inflammation. A note about this though, you don't want to evaluate these levels if you're pregnant because or if you have the flu or whatever because pregnancy increases inflammation, and that's going to throw off the number. So I'm not talking about values for pregnancy. Okay. One of the questions that comes up is, does inflammation drive obesity and other diseases, or is it the other way around? Does obesity drive inflammation? And the answer is, it goes both ways. Fortunately, reducing inflammation can happen first, right? If we reduce inflammation, we aid in weight loss. And if we lose weight, we reduce inflammation. We know there is so much research saying that elevated inflammatory markers like C-reactive protein predict future weight gain. They also predict and lead to insulin resistance. The more fat you carry, the more inflammation you have in your body because body fat is inflammatory. That's from the f- like a fat standpoint. But then from the dietary standpoint, when glucose is delivered to your cells, it produces free radicals. And that is inflammatory. So there is a fat component, a body fat component, but there's also a dietary component. The more sugar you eat, the more inflammation you create in your body. So we've got insulin resistance stuff going on. We also have leptin resistance. So leptin is a hormone that regulates a lot of things, including appetite and metabolism. The more inflammation we have, the more leptin resistance we have, which means people aren't, on, aren't getting the proper cues for appetite. This is why you can feel like no matter how much I eat, I still feel hungry or I never get that full feeling. That is related to systemic inflammation. And as I mentioned, inflammation breaks down that blood brain barrier. And that can feel like your brain just not processing quickly. It can feel like fatigue. It can feel like general brain fog. It can feel like depression and anxiety. It can feel like a lot of different things. Triggers of inflammation. We've already talked about some of them, like being overweight, sugar, injury, illness, stress, poor sleep, uh, but also specifically seed oils. We've done a whole episode on seed oil, so I'm not going to go into that. Gluten is uniquely prone to triggering inflammation. Being overweight drives inflammation. When we checked my C-reactive protein levels about six months after my C-section-ish, my levels were around 10. And that's 10 milligrams per liter. So not in the unhealthy range, but Nowhere near optimal because optimal is going to be less than one. So I started really focusing on supplementation primarily because I wasn't eating a lot of sugar. I'd love to say I dialed it back further. I really didn't, but I am now, and I'll tell you why. Um, I didn't eat much gluten, so I didn't really make many changes there, but I am now moving into a completely gluten avoidant phase to get to that less than one range. Um, But I would say the biggest change that I made was some targeted supplementation. A lot of the things that can help, and we'll talk about all of them, I felt like I was already doing, but there were some supplements that were new ads for me. Um, It's also one of the factors that went into play in me getting a continuous glucose monitor because the more that we spike our blood sugar, and create that insulin response in, with higher blood sugar levels, the more inflammation we trigger. So having that continuous glucose monitor was one of the changes that I made as well. What happened between that six months postpartum check and the most recent 10 months is my C-reactive protein went from 10 to 3.6, which my doctor was thrilled with. And I am thrilled with in four months to go from 10 to 3.6, I think is freaking fantastic. I'd really love in the next four months to get from 3.6 to less than one. That is my goal. In order to do that, the supplementation for me will almost remain the same. There's one tweak that I'll share with you. From a dietary standpoint, I'm completely removing gluten. It wasn't something I ate regularly, maybe a couple times a month, but one of the interesting things about gluten is that, I'm not sure if you've ever heard the term molecular mimicry, but what it means is that the the protein that is gluten mimics our thyroid hormones and antibodies in a way that if you have a thyroid issue, it can exacerbate the thyroid issue and drive inflammation. So you want to not introduce that molecular mimic that is gluten. So I will be, over the next few months, in an attempt to get my C-reactive protein less than one, I will be eliminating gluten completely, which feels pretty, pretty, pretty easy for me. Um, I'm going to consistently use my continuous glucose monitor. I used it pretty much nonstop for a couple months. And then we went on vacation and I didn't want to wear it on vacation and being in the pool and changing my sensor and having to calibrate and all of those annoying things. But we don't have any travel coming up. So I'm going to be going back to using my continuous glucose monitor. I've done a full episode on that, answering a ton of questions and an offline training. Well, off the podcast, but still online. I'll link those up in the show description uh, if you have questions about that. And then I'm going to be adding a couple of things supplementation wise. I will tell you that one thing that I think would help is meditation, but I'm not making a concerted commitment there. I, I'll i say I'm, I'm going to make a loose effort, but it's not something I'm going to be really militant about doing every day just because I have a lot of competing priorities and I just don't feel like that's something I can take on right now, even though I should. I mean, it makes a lot of sense and it would certainly help. Um, if I do it, amazing, but it's not going to be in the short list of things that I'm really focused on. So, what am I focused on? Things I was already doing walking. Exercise helps lower inflammation. Exercise helps lower C-reactive protein, but moderate to low-intensity exercise. So if you are chronically inflamed, it's not necessarily a great idea to be doing high-intensity workouts. So I'm gonna continue with my morning walking and with my weight training, and I'm gonna hold off on adding in high-intensity exercise. I miss it. I love CrossFit so much, When I get to my goal with my C-reactive protein levels, I'm going to reevaluate that. Uh, But right now, for the sake of inflammation, I'm going to stick with lifting weights and walking. Weight loss is a huge part of lowering inflammation. And it goes both ways, right? As we lower inflammation, we make weight loss easier. And as we lose weight, we lower inflammation. For me, wearing the continuous glucose monitor is part of that. Lifting weights and walking is part of that. Eliminating gluten is part of that. There's not going to be really anything that I change from a weight loss standpoint, but that effort continues. Um, I'm already pretty mindful of sugar, so I don't know that I'll make any intentional further changes there, but I do minimize sugar. From a supplementation standpoint, one thing that I added that I hadn't been taking at that six months postpartum mark when my C-reactive protein levels were around 10, I added a vitamin D supplement. Low vitamin D levels are linked with high markers of inflammation, higher levels of C-reactive protein, and some like as logic would flow, when you increase your vitamin D, we often see lower C-reactive protein. So I am doing a thorn product. I'll link it up in the show description It's a D with K2. Part of boosting vitamin D is related to having adequate magnesium levels. So I'm also adding a magnesium supplement. I've taken magnesium at different points in my life, but hadn't been taking one. Um, So I'll link both of those. I get them on Amazon. And then continuing with three other supplements, and I'm going to be increasing how much I'm taking of one of them. So omega 3s you do have to be very careful with omega 3 supplements because a lot of them use low quality fish oils that are not that are not only not anti-inflammatory, they can be pro-inflammatory because they go rancid and oxidized fats drive inflammation. So you really have to be very particular about omega 3 supplementation. There's just a lot of really crappy products out there. I'll link to the one that I take, but we know that specific omega-3s help to repair cellular damage caused by inflammation in addition to their own anti-inflammatory effect. So we've got two things going on here that are both incredibly valuable. Repairing cellular damage, because that damage happens to the, the cell wall, which is largely made up of fats. So when we put those good, healthy fats in there, It's reparative, and they also have targeted anti-inflammatory effects. So I'm going to link up the one that I take there, and I take three soft gels daily. Probiotics. Okay, this is something that I feel a lot of people don't understand. If you do not have a really healthy, strong gut, that will drive inflammation because... If we have any degree of dysbiosis in the gut or bacterial imbalances, that drives inflammation. When your gut integrity is not optimal, it drives inflammation as things get through what should be tight junctures in the gut and they're not tight junctures in the gut. That drives inflammation. Probiotics supplementation is a huge part of restoring that gut integrity. GBX Burn also has ingredients that, help to restore gut integrity. If you don't include this, then no matter the other things that you're doing, if your gut is still a mess, it's driving inflammation and your efforts are going to be really limited. So gut health has to be a part of reducing systemic inflammation. The gut is one of the primary defense systems for our body's inflammatory response. So for me, That looks like probiotics. It looks like GBX burn. GBX burn, I will say, is targeting fat loss. But as I talked about in a different episode, there are specific ingredients that have been shown to help restore the integrity of the gut. So I'm taking it more for that reason than for any fat loss reasons. Okay, one combination of ingredients that really helps with inflammation, you probably know this, turmeric curcumin. Like fish oil, the market for these products sucks. It sucks because they're very expensive ingredients. And so people try to go the cheap route to make more money on their products. And generally, consumers are none the wiser. They don't know what's a quality product and what is just garbage that either was never effective to begin with or could be effective, but your body can't absorb it. So I use Relief Plus. You guys have heard me talk about this before. I've been using it for years. The change that I'm going to be making is going from two capsules daily to three capsules daily. And I'm really, really excited to see what impact that has because I'm very determined. You guys know me. I get on a goal and I'm super focused on it. I'm really determined in the next few months to get my C-reactive protein levels below one. Some other things to think about. Sleep. Sleep deprivation drives inflammation. Not a ton that I can do to improve this here because of just my situation with little kids the other night. God bless. For the first time ever, I had Piper in our bed. The kids never sleep in our beds and they tend to be really good sleepers, but both of the twins are teething and they were just miserable all night. They had fevers. They were fussy. So Chris ended up sleeping on the couch with Charlie and I slept in our bed with Piper, but I didn't really sleep because she was fussing and moving and yeah. So I can't do a whole lot about sleep, but if you can, you should. (laughs) Another big thing is alcohol. Alcohol is inflammatory. Work to lower your alcohol consumption. If not, avoid alcohol altogether. I mentioned meditation. It's really valuable. I think prayer has the same effect for a lot of people, and I do a lot of prayer, um, If I had unlimited time and energy, I would absolutely get back to regular meditation. I used to do it, and it was tremendously powerful for me. Now it's kind of hit or miss. Some days I do it, and I'm so glad I did. And other days it just doesn't happen because of my lifestyle. And I'm okay with that for right now. The other huge component when we talk about inflammation is addressing any underlying issues that could be going on. For a lot of people, that's gut stuff. And we already talked about that. For me, it's thyroid stuff. And it's a chicken or the egg scenario, right? Do I have a thyroid issue because I'm inflamed? Or am I inflamed because I have a thyroid issue? And the answer is it's probably both. But one of the things that we are doing uh, for the thyroid piece of things is selenium supplementation. I think mine is thorn or pure encapsulation. I'll link it up in the show description, but I get it off Amazon. Um, And then the other big thing for the thyroid piece of it that I already mentioned is eliminating gluten. The great thing about all of this is that these shifts are pretty accessible. Sure, supplements aren't free, but we're also not talking about Expensive prescription drugs. We're not talking about crazy restrictive diets. We're just, it's very accessible, but it matters a lot because inflammation creates brain fog. And you might think that's just you. You might think that's just normal or your level of anxiety or your depression. That might just be you. No, it's probably related to inflammation or your weight loss resistance or the fact that your appetite is super jacked up or your cravings are out of control. Start focusing on lowering inflammation and you'll be shocked. Now, whenever I talk about supplements, I get nervous. And the reason I get nervous is because those are the easiest things to do. Obviously, sure, they're not free, but it's way easier to buy a bottle and swallow some pills than it is to cut out gluten, to minimize sugar, to lower your alcohol consumption. But let's be real. There's no supplement out there that is going to overcome the effects of overeating, eating sugar, over-consuming gluten. I mean, you have to commit to those dietary improvements too. And what I remind myself and my clients often is you can always go back. You can always go back if you decide it was better to feel crappy but eat sugar. You can always go back, but give yourself the experience. Give yourself 60 to 90 days of really committing and doing the work, even if it feels hard. The other day, I posted something about asking for help. And I had multiple people respond to me and say, but it's so hard. It's so hard to ask for help. And I was like, and? And you can do hard things. You've created this narrative in your head that because it's hard, you're somehow less capable of doing it. No, you're not. You're just talking yourself into that. Even if it feels hard, you can still do it. You don't have to commit to it forever. And if it sucks after 90 days, you can go back. But I have a sneaking suspicion that it's not going to suck. Don't do this halfway because then you don't really know what you could have experienced and how good you could have felt. A couple other questions I got that I want to address before we jump off here, and I will put all of these links in the show description. A bunch of people asked, how do you find a functional medicine doctor? In my opinion, this is not my area of expertise, use your local network. So do you go to a church? Ask people at church. Do you go to a local gym? Ask people there. Are you part of a community Facebook group? Ask people there, because I don't think that, sure, obviously search on Google, but I find that the word of mouth recommendations and other people's experiences are a lot more reliable than what somebody can pay to put on the internet. Is it covered by insurance? This is going to be different for everybody based on your insurance policy, based on the provider that you see. For me, I have really great insurance and it's not covered. I pay out of pocket. But I will say, I do not see a functional medicine doctor every year or every month For me, this will probably look like a total of four visits, hopefully not more than that, maybe three visits, and then I won't go for a while. Maybe if I have another kid, I'd go after that. Or if I run into some health challenges, I'll go. But I don't think that this this isn't like my regular doc that I see every year. Though if you do that, I think that's amazing. I do have a traditional healthcare provider that I go to for my annual checkups and all of that kind of stuff that's covered by insurance. And it might not be worth it for you. You might decide I'm going to give 90 days of of trying these recommendations that are pretty substantiated across the board and see what happens and then go from there. But um, I pay out of pocket. I don't think it's crazy expensive. Sometimes for a consult, it might be like a few hundred dollars. I did pay out of pocket for the lab work. That also was not that bad. I think it was like $250. And I had a full panel workup of, you know, a whole thyroid panel, um, all of my cholesterol, triglycerides, fasting insulin, fasting blood sugar, hemoglobin A1C, all of that It cost me like $250. Now, you probably could go to your primary if you haven't had an annual physical and get that done there and bring it to your functional medicine doctor. And then that way it would be covered by insurance because, you know, it's pretty standard for Those panels to be done at regular intervals by a primary doctor. So you have that option as well. But I did pay out of pocket and I didn't feel like it was crazy expensive. Obviously, there are people who are a lot more expensive. There are probably people who are less expensive. There are probably functional medicine doctors who have things like sliding scales, but talk to people in your area. I'm also. Happy to answer questions that I didn't dive into here. And I will for sure give an update. My plan is, it was like mid June ish when I had my last appointment. So my plan is three or four months from then to do another check and hopefully be under one um, milligram per liter of C reactive protein. So I will definitely keep you updated. And if I have any appointments before then, which I don't plan to, I'll let you know about that as well. So I'm putting all the links in the show description. If you have questions, let me know. I'm happy to do a follow-up episode or just respond to you personally and uh, give you that information. But for all those of you who love the science episodes, I hope you enjoyed this one. And I will talk to you soon. Take care.